those tricks? You tell us, Butch. He'd shit and die. Stop it, you two. Sally, what happened to your stomach? What does it look like? I've got a bun in the oven. Who did this to my little girl? Vince Sampson. Shit. I might as well fess up. I bagged that dickhead after he porked me. I've got him cocooned in the basement right now. You made it with the human? Oh, gross me out. What was going through your mind, young lady? Didn't you think by taking a hostage you might arouse suspicion? What was I supposed to do? Let him fuck me so he could tell his friends what a great piece of ass I am? When did you learn to be such a potty mouth? I've learned plenty in the last few months. Like what? Like all men care about is pussy. Isn't that the truth? You'll have to get rid of that thing, Sally. No! No! I'm keeping it. I don't care if it is a half-breed, it's still my baby. Gail and I are going to raise it together. Yeah, but what's Gail going to say when a kid with a shiny black exoskeleton calls her daddy? Cinema Beef Podcast. I'm a strategic minimum commentaries, but that is not the case, people. I am one of your hosts, Gary Hill, and with me tonight is Iris. Hello, hello, and how are you tonight? Fine. It's, it's nice chill in the air, so I'm, I'm very happy with this. Uh, nice. And it's the solstice, and it's kind of cold outside, and it makes me happy inside that I'm not sweating through my clothes. And uh, <laughs> It's always good. Uh, also with us is Suzanne. How are you? Um, trying to do a little bit better. Looking for a house. Thank God it's a little cooler because my allergies have calmed down a little bit, which have been major issue for the past couple of weeks. I wish I could just sneeze all the time, but no, I get I have skin allergies. Oh. Some weird thing on the that gets in the air gets on my skin. And I'm in the doctor's office getting steroid cream. Oh, no. And, yeah, it's just, it's been a horrible summer. It's, the weather's been weird. It's just, it it, it went from 45 to 95. And now it's in the 60s. So, you just, it's Chicago weather. You never know what you're going to get. Yeah. Man. But um, we'll start the show the same way we always do, and I'll ask uh, Iris what she's been watching lately. I watched, um, well, I watched two movies we were supposed to watch, and then I watched I, I watched The Haunted, and that was really fun. I loved it. Uh, it was everything I expected from a '90s TV movies. You had oh, the cheese. Oh, fucking spectacular! You had the cheese, you had the <laughs> the weird little ghost thing, black blob. I mean, it was just amazing. 
it was lots of fun. It was lots of fun. And then um, the the I think what I enjoyed the most was the succubus. <laughs> oh, I know. Wasn't she fucking horrible? <laughs> oh, like girl to guy to girl. I mean, you could tell that it was like a guy in drag, but it was it was really it was fun. And I think the characters, I mean, <clears throat> they played uh, the, whoever did the casting did a good, good job, especially with um, uh, Lorraine and Ed. Because oh, yeah. I was looking at pictures of them in the 90s, <clears throat> excuse me, in the 80s. And yeah, they did really good jobs. And also with the Smurls. The only thing was costume. Because I feel that Janet Smurl should have been dressed the way Lauren was, Lorraine was, and Lorraine should have been dressed the way Janet yeah. was. But about that, I mean, that's about the only thing I had on that. But the, the rest of that movie, it was fun. It was just a fun watch. And yeah, they missed a whole bunch of points, and of course they had to dramatize, but it was a good movie. I really enjoyed it. I watched that, and I watched a... God, who was it? I, I know I watched something else. I'll probably remember, you know, I'll pull a Jamie on you guys. But yeah, that was basically it. And of course... Oh, and then I finished The Exorcist, um, reading it, and that was, you know, going back and forth with Jamie. I was telling her how the the very last uh, interaction between Father Dyer and Fire Car- Father Karras at the very end of the book uh, just makes me sob every time. And listening to Peter Blatty himself read it, oh, uh, it, it makes me sob every freaking time. But that's pretty much it for me. Gotcha, gotcha. Suzanne? Oh, God. I finally finished watching the miniseries Trust about the J. Paul Getty III's kidnapping in Realm. Ooh, how was that? It was really good. It's weird. I watched, like, the first four, and then between the past couple of nights, I watched the last six. But it was, if you have any interest in that, it's absolutely fascinating. Hmm. I'm going to have to check that one out. It's on Netflix? Uh, no, actually, I I DVR'd it off oh, FX, okay. so oh. it, I'm sure it'll be popping up on something. It's Ooh. it was still nowhere near as good as Betty and Joan, because that I've got to buy that. I've got to have that on a shelf because that was one of the best miniseries I ever watched. I got everybody watching that. What the feud? We started that one. Yes. Mm-hmm. I watched I watched the whole Versace one. I didn't watch any other ones yet, though. No, watch Betty and Joan. <laughs> oh my God, it is just it, it is so it, I I can't even describe it. It's just you've got to watch it. I think one of the best um, um, Betty Davis Joan Crawford stories I ever heard was uh, told by by uh, Bruce Stern when he was on Gilbert Gottfried's podcast and. Yeah, I, I, I can't recall it word for word, but <laughs> it was when Olivia de Havilland took Joe, Joan Crawford's place in a movie and Betty Davis made a real snide remark at her. <laughs> and uh, It's a pretty epic story, so if you haven't listened to that yet, listen to Gilbert's show in general, even if you don't like the guest, because this week he has Peter Fonda, which I haven't listened to yet, but I'm looking forward to hearing that. And, uh, but look for that Bruce Stern one, because that's a pretty amazing story on there. I mean, I have to give FX props. They do some really good things. I, I love Feud. Trust was amazing. 
I still have to see all the money in the world, which is yet another dramatization of that. And I just, massive, just great job done by Donald Sutherland playing J. Paul Getty. Oh, my God. He had the weird, that that funky, stooped walk down and just doesn't give a flying fuck about anything except money. And, mm. oh, God, what else have I watched? Um, well, caught up on Ninja Warrior, which, I don't know, I, I just find that show absolutely fascinating. Um, I'm in a reading slump now because I read several really good books in a row. Now everything is just, I'll read a chapter or two, I'm, like, bored. Um, God, I swear I've watched a few other things, but I could not tell you what they are. I did watch Basket Case with Basket Case 2 with the NFW crew last night. It was kind of funny watching that, going and seeing all of the 80s soap stars in the roles. And, yeah, that's kind of about it, so... Anybody has a book recommendation, please give it to me. What do you like to read? Oh, right now, I've done a lot of coming-of-age stuff. I, I went through and I read most of Ronald Melfi's stuff. And oh, yeah. I just I finished Floating Staircase, which I just didn't think was as good as everything else. I thought December Park and The Narrows were just brilliant. I just, I'm starting Cradle, uh, yeah, Cradle Lake right now, and I'm just not getting as into it as I want to get into it. So just, this one, like I said, it's been a lot of kind of coming of age stuff. Yeah, like, um, there's one called Jimmy. Um, let me find out who wrote it for you, but it's popping up in my list. Jimmy's good. I I read it in probably two sittings. Oh wow. Yeah, do you have Kindle? Yeah. Okay, I can share it with you. Oh, awesome. Thank you. Sure. Oh, boy. Anything else, Sue? No, not really. I've had the attention span of a gnat. Although I was watching an episode of WKRP, and the show opened up with Xanadu. Nice. <laughs> so I started laughing. That's, my that's, that's what you want, that. right? Yeah, that's what you want. Yeah. Oh, my God. Uh, me myself, I watched um, a few things that I could talk about. I watched um, Blockers, which you know, is the, if you've seen the the poster, it's a it's a picture of a rooster. So technically, it's called Cock Blockers. You know, <laughs> you know, the film's called Blockers, though. It stars John Cena and Leslie Mann and some other comedy people. I mean, saying John Cena and comedy, people, but, but let me tell you, if you haven't watched John Cena's movies, he's been in lately. Uh, the comedy output has been on point. I, I laugh every time he comes on and he delivers jokes really well, which is not surprising because he's one of the better guys on the mic on the wrestling, so he can perform if he, if he needed to. Um, real funny movie. Um, basically, they didn't see the previews. Uh, three, three of the daughters of this group of, of parents uh, have a prom sex pack. They're going to have sex before it, when prom happens and, you know, the parents have to go out into the streets to go find these kids and Chaos ensues and hilarity ensues because that's the real shining point of this movie is the parents and it was real funny because of that. Um, I really, I really liked it. Um, <clears throat> I watched uh, here's the hero shit again. I watched the death, the death of Superman, which is the new uh, DC animated movie that's not quite out yet. So, thanks, screener. Uh, well, 
Yes and no, because it, it was it was just okay. If you're way back when, when they, if you're a comic book reader in, in the '90s, there was a point in time where Doomsday came to Earth and killed Superman, and uh, there was a big funeral and the reign of Superman happened, which, are, which is happening in the next movie where they have Steel and Cyber Superman and Superboy come out of the mix and you know, but this one they they changed some things. They had the Justice League helping them do stuff, and it, it, it was really strange and, and really boring, and that's not the way that movie should have been, so I don't want to ruin it for you, but watch it for yourself. I know a handful of folks who actually liked it, so give it a shot. Um, <clears throat> me and the cat watched uh, Mad Max Fury Road again uh, in 4K, and when I say that, this fucking cat, sh Shade, she watches television. I can't explain why or how, but when I was watching the wrestling on Sunday night, the pay-per-view happened, uh, when the Japanese uh, female wrestler Asuka came out, she was really intent on watching television. I didn't believe it. I was like, oh, it's just a random occurrence. But when I turned um, Fury Road on, she jumped off my bed, down, and sat right in front of the TV like she was like a, a, a little kid or something watching Batman on TV or something. I think it was all the... The flashing, you know, it's a very bright and, and shiny movie and all shiny and chrome and whatnot, but she was very intently bobbing her head back and forth at the screen and just watching it. And I was like, that's kind of funny. So we kept watching it. <laughs> that's cute. Uh, what else is there? There was a something else. Um, I rewatched... Uh, Speaking of Donald Sutherland, the, the 78 Invasion of the Body Snatchers, that's always a good decision to watch that movie. Uh, I don't need to talk about that too much. Um, my TV's pretty much on hiatus. Um, uh, Dan Wilson, my friend in Australia, recommended a show. Um, Ho Hollywood Weapons, it's called. It comes on the Outdoors channel, but it's currently running on Netflix, where this this guy, this, this soldier of like 25 years, takes plot points of a movie, like there's an episode where he takes this the scene in Jaws where Brody makes the shark go boom and he tests the physics of it to, to where they, they actually built a they built um a mast and they they he he has the same gun that Brody has and they set up a shark and yada yada yada. So they try to see if it's if it's physically possible for them to even make that shot or Make the scuba tank explode. Spoilers: the scuba tank does not explode like that. In case you didn't figure it out by now, it's all movie magic. That part, but the shot is not impossible apparently. But this guy is a trained, a trained uh, army sniper as well. So I don't know if if how to, that's the biggest part about this thing. The way they compare the physics, they don't have like like there's another one where um where they do Die Hard where they 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 have. The part where McLean jumps down from the roof on the fire hose and, and shoots out the glass so he can kick through it. You know, they don't like put like the weight proportion in there or like wind resistance possibly. There's a lot of factors, a lot of what have you's in there. And the show itself is kind of flawed for that reason. So it's fun to watch, but I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't take too much of the science to heart if you will, on that show. It's it's really strange. Um, and that's about it, really. You know? Oh, okay. Um, we'll go into our, our special segment we always know and love as the Beef Bitches and Mashed Potatoes. 
Okay, who gets the burly uh, beef? I ordered barbecue beef. I think that's mine, but I didn't who order gets fries. Barbecue beef? Mine's the deluxe. Okay, who gets the burly beef? You've been away for a while, huh? What's your beef, girl? Oh, my God. You really don't want to because I don't want to bring politics into this. But, yeah, there's that. I kind of know where you're going with that, yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, so far, you know what? Um, I think I have more more yays than nays. I mean, I've, I've got twins coming. Uh, my dad's going to be able to get to travel before surgery. You know, life is good with me. So I'm going to leave it at that. Gotcha. Suzanne, anything, girl? Oh, no, just house hunting and trying not to be furious at the world. Yeah, it's like I, I, I don't remember house hunting ever being this much of a miserable pain in the ass. Hmm. <laughs> Um, everybody is all over the Suspiria remake. I call bullshit. <laughs> um, oh, let's see what else. I'm trying to keep it lighthearted. Oh, yeah. And hey, people, this is going to be my biggest one of the day. If you see a sign that says the lane is going to end, please don't speed up past me with 20 other cars because I'm not going to let you in. <laughs> Fuck you. If you can't read a sign and get the fuck over so traffic will move smoothly, then fuck you. You can sit there and wait. I don't give a fuck. You can honk. You can try to nose in. I don't care. I'll let you hit me. I need some car repairs done. Go ahead and hit me. But get the fuck over when the lane is ending. What the fuck is wrong with you people? Suzanne says if you can't recognize the two seasons of Chicagoland, which is winter and construction, go fuck yourself, okay? (laughs) am i the only person that this aggravates to absolute no end but yeah it's it's fucking annoying and we've got construction all around us and there's only one spot where you have to narrow down to god help us one lane for like a tenth of a mile you can't read the goddamn sign do you not see the fucking orange flowers as i call the traffic cones (laughs) Because they're in bloom. Yes, they are. They are in bloom. But it, it is aggravating. It's always been one of my biggest pet peeves. But this fucking asshole literally sped up, did about 85 around me to get in the lane that was closing with 25 other people. And then he honked his horn at me as I passed him. Like, well, that's what you get for being a dickhead. Fuck you. Lovely. This is, a, this is the company I keep, people. I love these people. You know? <laughs> oh, you have to admit, well, you've you've driven with me. Oh, yes. Oh, I, I am very vocal when I drive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's fine, you know. <laughs> very vocal. Oh, me. Me, me, me. I have nothing to really, really be angry about, you know. Nothing really, just, you know, except for possibly being sick. I don't know. There's a lot of sweating happening and... It could be contributed to that. Um, yeah, that 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 politics thing. That's a that's an ugly beast, you know. I'm like, look, look what I fixed. And of course, if you're at the Civic Podcast, and apparently everywhere, Thunderbirds are always go. 
know. <laughs> and, and, and politics too. Hey, fours. Yes. <laughs> you know. I did ask my son if he was going to become a space marine, and then I, I uh, posted the, you know, Apon, the Sergeant Apon uh, in Aliens when he's saying, "I love the core." You know, <laughs> I posted that. I was like, "Is this going to be you, bro?" <laughs> Oh God! Want me to fetch a slipper for you, boy? Yeah. <laughs> Look into my eye. Uh, <laughs> see, it's a good thing that Jamie's not here because she'd be groaning in her ass off right now. <laughs> she hates that fucking movie. How? She does. Oh would, you, would, you, would you were here for that conversation multiple times? How oh, yeah. Did that is to not see that movie at least three times. It was only in the theater for like two weeks. Well, her main beef is that they changed they changed the horror movie into a sci-fi movie, and that that was uh that was about all it was, and uh or an action movie, whatever. That's her main uh, beef, bud. Starship Troopers, really? No, not Star- not not that one. No, a- a- Alien. aliens. Oh, aliens, plural. Okay. Yeah. Well, I have Want a different no beef more? with aliens, singular. <laughs> I uh, love that. Want to know more? Yes. Cohen showers people. That's sexy, right? But uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh wait, Oh, <laughs> uh, real, real, real short oh, beef part. segment, and uh, I don't regret it. I, I like to get mad about stuff all the time. But uh, tonight, we are here to talk about two films that basically take suburbia and throw terrorism into the mix. So we call uh the show White Bread Terrorism, and uh. <laughs> The uh, two films that we're doing is uh, Arlington Road from the late, late 90s and uh, Meet the Applegates from the early, the early, early 90s. And uh, I, I'm, uh, I, I like both these films, so we'll, we'll get into that uh, right after this. Did you ever see a film at such a young age it left you traumatized with cinematic wounds? Ah, necrophilia. Ah, ah, ah. It's a dead issue, man. Don't don't push it. Cinema PsyOps is a weekly podcast documenting an ongoing experiment on the mind of an unwilling test subject. No one should have to watch this movie. Oh, no one should have to watch this <laughs> No one should have to watch this movie. Surprisingly, it's not a topic that a lot of people really want to tackle. I'm shocked, prudes. I know, really. Right? It's the next sexual frontier that no one wants to explore. I am, in the most sincerest of senses, disappointed in you. It takes a powerful goddess like Connie, jam her arm down the monster's throat and kill it. I'm still tripping out over that. Even as a kid, I was like, I gotta find a girl like that. Every week, I I get a new look of disappointment that I never thought I could get out of. It's unimaginable. At 12 years old, you should not be watching this movie. Obviously. At 13, you should not be. 14, you shouldn't be. I'm not entirely sure even 17-year-olds should be watching this just because you're offended by something doesn't mean that you have the right to demand that it doesn't exist. Watching this film again, I had all of this like little nerd glee with everything that kept little history doll yeah, popping up absolutely. at you. So I totally loved this film. Hey, I know why you you know, couldn't see that. It's because your brain's warped watching this shit at 12 years old. Yeah, this is this is a rough movie. I told you ahead of time when we were getting ready to do it that it was. How did be you watch movie. this shit at 12? Because physical wounds heal, cinematic ones don't. Listen to Cinema Psyops. instant they were gone forever more and more of us are joining the ranks of a resistance average normal educated people brad it's dinner time brady invite him over for dinner 
Thank you, neighbor. We're having a 10-year-old next door. Cheryl, this is Brooke. Hi. Brooke, Cheryl. It's, nice. it's really nice to meet you, too. What kind of work do you do? I'm a structural engineer. He had this blueprint. It was an office building. This project is taking forever. Why would he tell me it was a mall? Why would you lie? I've got a possible name change. The death certificate, what, what does it say? He's changed his name. To the name of a person who died the day before? Yeah, why? You do it to hide the person you were. Hi, neighbor. His name is Oliver Lance. I didn't know you taught a course in terrorism, Michael. That's a pretty frightening subject. It deals with extremist groups. Seems they got one everywhere. Are you listening Your to me? Your neighbor is a terrorist that has been blowing up buildings. There is a blueprint in his house he does not want me to see. Michael! Something is being planned. Our house is your house. Yeah, and, you know, in his spare time. That's it. It takes his kid Brooke, to camp and Brooke, takes his daughters that house, to family class. house is not normal. Oh, that house is normal, Michael. Brooke. Do you have something on this guy or not? Because if this is all you got, you need to stop teaching that class because it's getting inside your head. You're going to pick up my son? He was taken home this afternoon, sir. What the hell have you done with my son? <laughs> you think you know me? you got to get everybody out of the building. We want the FBI this time! something I don't know. You stay a good neighbor and you'll have him back. Grant! You don't calm down. There's a bomb in the van! Stand by. Grant's in there! Stop it! I don't know that I can guarantee his safety. We're having a party. You're more than welcome to stay. Arlington Road from 1999. Uh, IDB synopsis is real short, too. Look at this. A man begins to suspect his neighbors are not what they appear to be, and their secrets could be deadly. Ah, the stars. Jeff Bridges, Tim Robbins, Joan Cusack, and some other folks, too. A lot of actors are recognized, but I couldn't tell you who they are is, is the problem for this movie. Yeah. But, um... I'm going to let uh, Suzanne go first on this one and uh, tell us what she thinks about it. This is one of those movies that it, it seems even more relevant now than it than it really seemed when it came out in 1999. And I, I just, I find, I, I really just don't know. It, the first time I watched it, you're just really not sure if what's happening is happening. Because Jeff Bridges' character is just so still wrapped up in his wife's death that he's kind of just reading little things into everything. At least I think so, anyway. And I just, I really liked Tim Robbins in this. Because, I mean, he's, I've always, the first thing I ever saw him in and I've always tied him back to it was Bull Durham. And, you know, I just, I never really took him as a serious actor because, you know, it's always just been Bull Durham in my head when I see him. But this one was quite different. And, you know, one of the, the key themes throughout the movie for me is that he, Jeff Bridges is still kind of tied up in his wife's death. And she was an FBI agent. And this is one of the little things that jumped out at me this time when 
because I did a little reading on Waco when that little miniseries came out and Ruby Ridge and the place where his wife died was Copper Creek. Ruby Ridge, Copper Creek, very similar stories, very similar ideas, just slightly different. So whoever did this definitely was not a moron. And of course the big bombing, once again, strikingly similar to the Oklahoma City bombing, the one that took place in St. Louis. And I just find the the very bizarre chemistry between Jeff Bridges and Tim Robbins. I mean, Jeff Bridges is so very intense in this movie. I mean, he's always intense, but he's just got like a little bit of crazy in him. And you just kind of feel, I feel kind of bad for his son who just seems to be, you know, he's got his girlfriend, you know, his son is just kind of almost in the background through most of the movie. And he makes friends with his neighbor's kids. And you see the son opening up to the neighbors more than his father. Not by accident. It's all calculated. It was very wonderful. Oh, it's completely calculated. I, I, I don't know. It's just, I, I just, I find this movie just incredibly, it's just a very intense movie. Um, the His wife's partner, and he's basically asking him to do something that will get him arrested and thrown in prison. And he knows damn well he can't, teaching this class about American terrorism. And like I said, I just, at first you just get the idea that maybe he's reading just a little, too much into everything and you realize he's just scratching the surface of what's really going on and I just I really hate to spoil it but I know we'll end up getting around to it but I, like I said I just find this just a fantastic little movie that just it, it's just completely overlooked and like I said it's just it's very relevant it's still you, you just you don't know who your neighbors are that's true uh, Iris. <laughs> well, it's kind of like Suzanne said. It, it, it's a, a very relevant movie, especially for nowadays. And the um, what they did with Ruby Ridge and Oklahoma City, Timothy McVeigh, how they were saying, you know, he was, you know, a lone wolf, and um, just everything about um, where his wife died, the way it went down with the little boy, the mom. You know, those two being shot at first and the FBI coming in and not saying who exactly they were. And, of course, um, with Jeff Bridges' character, uh, Michael, you know, he is just, as he's teaching this class, he, he is just pouring, you know, his heart and soul and complete emotion into us because in his mind, he is he is saying the FBI with all the flags that they had that just blew up in on their computer system that this was bad, they were completely wrong. So he's going off and he's trying to teach his class. And this is like, you know, this country was formed on terrorism and this is how it became and blah, blah, blah. Um, and as he is, as you see his character, basically come apart at the seams as you're watching this movie 
everything that he had been teaching his class and practically preaching and beating it, you know, beating over the head to these kids in his class, uh, confrontational to a point, um, he was doing the exact same thing that he was blaming the FBI doing. Because you see him, it's, you know, he's jumping to conclusions. He's assuming this and he's assuming that. And he's like, no, this is here and this is that. And uh, even as he's trying to contact his uh, wife's partner, the FBI, and he's like, dude, it's this, this, and this. And they're staring at him like, uh, proof? And it's just not coming together. And then at the very end, finding out that he has been completely duped is just like, well, there you go. <laughs> In a way, to me, he kind of deserved it because of what he was, you know, just being so, you know, preaching and, and just Bible thumping almost about because it, it was basically almost like a religion to him because he was just so fanatical about how his wife died because of misinformation. But yet he is only gathering a piece here, a piece there, a piece here, and a piece there, come to find out maybe he wasn't wrong. But just to see his the, the dichotomy in this character, how he flip-flops, is just amazing for me. And in a way, I'm wondering, as I was sitting here listening to you talk, Suzanne, did this couple go as far as to blow up their kid's hand and see what good Samaritan that they could suck into their plot? Or I wouldn't put it past them. Leave something out that, you know, a you know? young, naughty preteen kid is going to, oh, fireworks. Right. So I think, I think it, it, it could have been a ploy. I think this, yeah. this is very much a Stockholm Syndrome, because there's, there's a part in the movie where you find out that they literally stole some scout leader's son, and that was the, the son that was posing as their son. So they also, exactly. they also had two young daughters. And who's to say that they're not training these kids to be just like them, to be part of this game? And The Americans. I, 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 yeah, I, I basically watched, it. I haven't watched this show, but I was talking about the, the Carrie Russell and... Um, Mm-hmm. The other, the other, I don't know the guy's name, but that's exactly it. That's where my brain also went. And, um, you know, at the time, um, even though we were starting to have those birth pangs, um, the United States was just so innocent, uh, you know, with the fact of terrorism actually happening here. And of course, um, you know, Waco and Ruby Ridge, uh, Kaczynski. You know, those weren't seen as terrorists. They were seen, you know, Waco, of course, was seen as, you know, an extremist group. Yeah, an extremist. Well, not not even that. They were just. They were seen as a cult, as a cookie cult that pushed things too far. They weren't seen as terrorists. Ruby Ridge, again, it's, you know, that weirdo guy militia dude that just pushed things too far so again you know it's just like like i said those those birth pangs that finally gave birth to you know something like 9-11 and and that's when it really hit everybody hard like they're not that safe 
from inside or outside because we've had a lot of inside jobs happening too. So, you know, it, it's like I said, it's extremely relevant, relevant <laughs> now <laughs> because of what we're going through and just um, the political atmosphere, whether it's right or wrong, good or indifferent, that is the atmosphere that we live in. And it's a, an atmosphere of we're just waiting for that next shoot a drop whether you agree with what's going on or not we're all in this state of adrenaline of like what's coming next so yeah um this movie when i watched it i was like damn this is like sign of the times it's exactly what it is but yeah i movie wise i enjoyed it i really liked um the way this character just falls apart and and literally at the seams and just one thing after another, after another, a kid gets taken away. The girlfriend gets taken away. His friends get taken away. He is completely isolated to a point where it is believable that what they say about him could be true. So uh, I, I really don't want to spoil it more than that. But yeah, it was a really good movie and I enjoyed it. First time watch and, and it just might make my list. <laughs> cool. Yeah, it, this movie, uh, I, I, I mentioned off-air that I, I've seen in pieces, because it would kind of like come on HBO a lot, I'd see like the beginning part, I would see like the very end, or I would see like part of the middle, so I never put all all, all of it together, but the, my favorite thing about this movie is is that they don't, they, they lay out certain things for you, because they have this whole s- subplot of why... Why um, Tim Robbins is the way he is, which is basically he was his his family were farmers and in, his family was were farmers in Kansas, and they took away their water rights. The the bank did, and they they took away their land and yada yada yada. And they couldn't pay off their loans, so he decided to go use a pipe bomb to go blow up. When did he go blow up again? I forget now. It was the FBI building. It was the FBI building, and yeah. You know, I mean, in that part of the movie when he was sixteen. Yeah, I thought or, it was a. I thought it was a mailroom or something. It was. Something. Or he was a mailroom employer employee. Right, but it was the. It was the FBI building that ended up blowing up. Yeah, at the end. Yeah, but I'm talking about like when, when he was when he was looking. No, at, when he was a kid. He was looking into him. Oh shit! I'm sorry, and I totally blew it. Yeah, uh, I, yeah. I I, I want to say it was just a mailroom or something. I can't. I I've completely drawn a blank. But yeah, he he goes into that, and he, he can't really tell like if he's being sincere or not. Like this is why he is the way he is, and yada yada yada. But um, <clears throat> you mentioned like like maybe he didn't know. What, I, I think they knew precisely who their neighbors were when they moved into that place. I think they they may have like had like complete dossiers on and a psychological profile of Jeff Bridges, and you know just to figure out what what makes him tick and how how they can get, like pull the strings to get to do whatever they want him to do, because that's basically how the movie plays out. You know, no, no matter what he does or whatever he thinks, he's got, they got somebody tapping his phone, so they know precisely what's going on out of the house, and, and, uh, they, they just let them know just what he, what they want him to know, just like, like you said, to dupe him in the end, because this, this is one of those tragic endings to where the terrorists, the terrorists win. How, that's the ending I'll give away to you guys. The terrorists win. Jeff Bridges loses, and you know that—that's. It doesn't happen too often in movies like this, to where the terrorists win. I, I can't. I, I can appreciate that 
for them having the balls to do it that way. But I, I don't, I don't, I don't support terrorism. Obviously, it's just the plot point of this movie that he loses everything. I mean, his son. That the whole idea of him, you know, you know, rubbing up to the sun, like shining him on, like you know, because his, his mother's dead, and he makes the whole kind about he was talking about his mother. You could tell by the look on Jeff Bridges' face that he doesn't talk about his mother very much. So why are we talking about you? Because this guy's an expert in calculation. He has all planned out to take away your family, you know, because he he knows you're gonna find out, and he he knew it right from jump. I think my biggest regret about this film is. You've seen jo- jo- Joan Cusack in the movie, but you don't see her doing much in the movie. See, so there's that mystery of how big a part does she play in this mo- in, the, in this scenario? Hell, for all we is the mastermind. It, it could be that. Yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot of layers and a lot of stuff you don't know. And I appreciate that. I appreciate everything that's in the script that 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 does that for you. Um. <clears throat> oh, what was it? There, there's so much going on. It, it's hard to explain everything that's going on without explaining everything that's going, that happens in the movie. But um, it's got a great ending, you know, to, to where they say, you know, I, I think Joan, Joan Cusack makes the comment that, like, move, move somewhere nice, somewhere safe, because their house is up for sale. So that means they obviously are going to do this again and again and again and again to put put together whatever movement they're trying to put together here. You know, just go from town to city to city find that person that's that's slightly in the know or slightly that they, they, they can use to their advantage and then do this all over again which makes it really open-ended it makes you really want that sequel but i don't think this was that successful that makes me very very sad that you guys should watch this movie because <laughs> uh, i think it's just very overlooked mm-hmm. because yeah, and- i mean it's just got an intensity to it it does have an intensity. And, you know, um, as you were talking, Gary, um, this could really, I mean, it, it's very pl- possible that this would, something like this would happen. Think of, of the uh, ranchers up in Oregon who decided that they're going to get guns and were pissed off because what did the government do? They were going to take their, their land rights and, and rights away for, you know, water rights away. So, you know, it's not that far fetched. Well, they've been doing it since since I I can I can't even tell you when they've been doing it for a long time, taking the water rights away from people, but way back to the Native Americans. Right, but you know, and so yeah, and and I guess maybe the the whole thing about this is is how I like how he said that you know this country was started on terrorism, oh, yeah. but um you know so seeing you know homegrown terrorists you know show up whether they they you know, religious or, or, you know, uh, political it's, yeah, yeah, there's just somebody just that has a beef that just has to take it this far because, you know, we we live in a world of extremes now and unless you go to an extreme, nobody's going to listen to you. And then of course there's, there's another, he has people, this is my favorite thing about the movie, he has people everywhere, including in in his class because you find Mm -hmm. out at the end, somebody from his class Pops up like, is she in on this? Is she not? I don't know. But then she, she pops up at the end saying, you know, he was always so intense about the subject matter, yada yada yada, whatever. They had the whole, you know, let's let's interview his students thing, because he was very intense. And this is all, this was all, this was all played together really well. And I can't I can't explain everything without giving everything away. But I I I, 
I, I, I tell you guys to watch this movie because it's pretty great. But I'll ask uh, Suzanne. And she looked to say about it. And what did she give her one to ten? Oh, God. I had something I was going to say. And then I completely derailed. Oh, my God. Um, yeah, like I said, this one just kind of went under the radar. It's such a great movie. It's it, It's just got... It's so powerful. And I, I noticed we've done our best to skate around some of the very important things that happen in the movie. So lot, and maybe of some of the listeners... A lot of plot points. Yeah. And I just, I don't want to give away any of that. I just, I find this movie absolutely just, it's just, it's kind of fascinating. I I like the character study. I like, there's so much about this movie that I just love. And I just find it's incredibly intelligent, which may be why it didn't do so well. But then again, that's just me thinking most people are morons. <laughs> Except the people that listen to this show. <laughs> nice save. Yeah, thank you. Um, yeah, I just this is such a great movie. I it's I'm giving it an eight and a half. Cool. Iris. Um, yeah. You know what? This is good movie, excellent character development and I mean to, to the point where you get almost you know, emotionally invested whether you hate him or you like him. You do invest some emotion into the characters uh even the kids i mean you know but uh that budding friendship yeah that budding friendship it's it's got all this really cool stuff and they're so what's interesting about this and this will be the last thing i'll say about this it just has so many plot points but they come together in the end and they make this beautiful tapestry of a movie so i'm gonna give this a nine cool yeah, like I said, I think the kids are even in on it. I think, like, the budding friendship we're talking about means nothing to that kid because there's parts where he's just so cold. Like, the part where they're at the batting cage, he's just sitting on the bench, like, like just watching how this plays out. Like, watching how this plays out, you know, and but waiting for it. But, yeah, great film. I, I, I recommend anybody check it out. Like I said, three times in this review already. Uh, eight out of ten. I want to watch it again just to catch everything because this is the first time I watched it all the way through so it might be a 9 next time I, I, I would rate this film but um yeah, that's about it for this one but when we come back uh we were oh, gonna... shit, I still have more oh I'm sorry <laughs> oh no I'm like wait I should have said that wait I should have said that no that's okay <laughs> no I, I guess one other thing I I swear this will be my final final point it. and then it will shut up um, I just found, I guess I, it's, I've been like kind of searching for the way to put it, but Tim's, Tim Robbins character is Oliver is just, he almost seems kind of broken down at points, kind of beaten up. I think his wife is the mastermind. I think Joan Cusack was the mastermind. Yeah. I, like I don't know. That. Because I mean, like I said, he just seemed so... Even when he was trying to be casual, he always just seemed to have that kind of haggard uh, demeanor. Yeah, and she was always so smooth and cool. Oh, always. Okay, and I'm that, that's the last thing, and now I'm done. <laughs> okay. Sorry. No, that's okay. <laughs> uh, when we gonna when we when we, when we gotta come back? When we come back? Uh, <laughs> when we gonna? When we gonna? We're <laughs> we're gonna talk about bugs and. Nuclear power and uh, 
Suburbia <laughs> again with Meet the Applegates right for this. In a typical town, in a typical neighborhood, on a typical suburban street, a new family is moving in. And soon everyone is going to meet the Applegates. 
Applegate, Jane, age 38, occupation homemaker. I met my husband at Maryland University where I majored in home economics. Applegate, Sally, born Baltimore, 1971, Scorpio. I enjoy swimming, chicken McNuggets, and gymnastics. Kiss on the second date. Applegate, Johnny, hobbies include science, baseball, and, uh... Heavy metal music. And heavy metal music. And I'm 15. Study these statistics. They'll help us determine what's normal, even if we do find it repulsive. Dick Applegate. Greg Sampson. I'm in the single-family ranch house across the way. Nice to meet you, Mr. Sampson. Somebody's got a sweet tooth. A typical family. Hey, Appleseed, your family's loaded, right? Yeah, my dad makes an average salary. With a typical dog. Excuse me, Spot. And typical visiting relations. You homo sapien scum! It's empty. But there's something wrong in this town. The Samson boy's been kidnapped. He didn't come home last night. And now no one is safe here in Median. Sonic bug repeller. Spits out a sound you and me can't hear. Sweet Jesus. It drives those little creatures bonkers. Works great! Something weird in this neighborhood. Dude. This is some creepy shit. And somehow, in some strange way, it all has something to do with the Apple Gates. Passport, please. Is this you? Yeah. B. Cocorata? Right. That's a woman's name. Says here you're female. You got a problem with that, pal? There's something really weird about that family. It's in your pocket. Nothing. Just glad to see you. Damn it, Greg. I just mopped the floor. I've seen a bug that big before. <laughs> you don't expect me to believe this thing's wearing a dog collar, do you? Not just any dog collar. Spot Applegate's collar. Five tens and twenties, and don't dick around with the ones. Yes, sir. Hurry it up, your brain's a slushy. <laughs> but all is not picture postcard perfect in middle America tonight. They're evil. They wouldn't harm a fly. is going to meet the Apple Gates. Ed Begley Jr., Stockard Channing, and Dabney Coleman as Aunt B. Meet the Apple Gates. Meet the Apple Gates from 1990. Uh, your plot synopsis is this. Modeling themselves after an idyllic cookie-cutter suburban 1950s family, a colony of insects moved from South America into the United States with the intent of getting access to the nation's nuclear resources. Nuclear. Not nuclear. But that, that's a, I love how that's a plot point in this movie, that, that line. <laughs> Son, they say nuclear in this country. It's world. Right? <laughs> yeah. uh, this stars uh, Ed Bakley Jr., uh, Stocker Channing, Dabney Coleman in a dress, 
that's uh, kind of creepy. <laughs> oh, no, that was spectacular. Yes. Not bad legs, actually. I'm not going to lie to you. <laughs> Bobby Jacoby, uh, who shows about a whole bunch of stuff. Glenn Shaddix. Oh, there's a there's a lot to uh, dismiss here and lay her down. But I'm gonna I'm gonna get to uh, Iris first and ask her what she thought about it. Oh, well, this one was a fun movie. I I remember watching this several times on on HBO and. It was always one of those late night movies when, you know, I was up and the baby was not wanting to calm down. So I'd be watching something. And um, I always I always thought it was fun. I I love just how there's so much, you know, it tries to preach a message. And I think it wants you to take it seriously, but it's just too funny. I'm sorry, it's just, just too much for the movie, you know. <laughs> Especially at the end, you know, it's such a heartfelt uh, and emotional uh, <laughs> speech, and it's like, let's string them up. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> string them up. Let's do this. Um, and it's cute. And um, the little man was watching. I think maybe about the last fifteen minutes of it. And he's like, what are you watching, Grandma? I was like, oh, a movie about bugs. He goes, oh, they're fighting. And I'm like, yes, they are. He goes, can I watch too? I'm like, yes, you can. And he, he enjoyed the last part with the bugs fighting. And he's like, are they going to slap fight? Are they going to slap fight? <laughs> the praying mantis is buddy. I don't know. Uh, but it was cute. And, and just, uh, you know, them flipping back and forth from insect to human and how of all things, Dick, Jane, Sally, and whatever the, whatever the other kid was, but it was cute. And then, of course, you know what it reminded me of? It reminded me of a simple um, movie of, was it Gung-Ho? I think it was Gung-Ho, the one where uh, the Japanese family comes to the United States and they get the kids get completely Americanized. <laughs> Yes, 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 yes. No more MTV for you. <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> that's what it kind of reminded me of. You know, it's just these bug kids got completely Americanized. One's a complete pothead, and the other one is a teenage mom. <laughs> so, yeah, it was fun. It, it, it captured suburbia. I mean, that's that's what it is. You know, it's like, again, you really don't know who your neighbors are unless you get involved. And sometimes even when you are involved, you still don't know who they are. So you, you just can't make assumptions. And I mean, there's great people in this. Uh, the guy from Beetlejuice, he was great. Yes. Um, so, yeah, I, I really enjoyed this one. Cool. I forgot to mention Camille Cooper because she's, uh, she's in genre stuff. She shows up as uh, Sally Applegate in this movie. But she shows up in Shocker and uh, one of my personal favorite bad movies. Lawnmower Two, Beyond Lawnmower Man Two, Beyond Cyberspace. You know, no. oh god, it's a personal favorite bad movie of mine. I'm sorry, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> sorry, but not sorry. But uh, Suzanne, go for it, girl. Oh, this movie is just—it's just funny. I'm sorry. I love the bugs. I love the bugs, and Ed Begley Jr. is always just funny as hell. Whether or not I just I, I see him most of the time, I just end up catching him in the Christopher Guest movies, 
and it's just, it's got just this little genre cast that this could have been a really terrible movie. It could have been, but you know, one of my personal favorites. I've always loved Dabney Coleman. I just look at him and I can't help but just laugh. And him as Aunt B, no exception. But once again, I just it's it is trying to deliver that message about about consumerism and uh, let's be honest, a uh, a bit of the date rape. Oh, everything everything's thrown in this movie. It's pretty pretty great for that reason. Yeah, and like I said, with. I, I think a lesser cast, it would have just been it's bad and heavy-handed. This one, it kind of applies it, it not very lightly, but with maybe a more gentle touch. You know, that, I love the fact Mom is just, like, hooked on the, on the home shopping network, going out shopping with her friends, and just kind of being that housewife. And the kids, you know, the son discovers drugs. Love it. And the daughter gets knocked up. Love it so much. <laughs> it's it's just it's it's great. And you know, dad's banging the his secretary. It is. I mean it really is. It's they really threw everything at it. And you know, the the bugs just want a happier planet for themselves because, well, you know, once again there's that message again. We pollute it. All in all, like I said, it's it's a it's a fun little movie. Uh, the first time I watched it, I caught it on HBO in the middle of the night. I had absolutely no expectations, but I ended up catching it several more times. Uh, when I watched it the other night, it was it was the first time in many years that I'd watched it, and it still held that that this the same thing for me. I just really just enjoyed it. It's a comedy, it's a little bit of this, it's a little bit of that. Overall it's still it's it's a great little movie. It's fun as hell. I love the praying mantises. It's well worth a watch. Oh me myself, I I um I enjoyed it as a kid, like 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 a teen, and I enjoy it even more now because I catch a lot more of the nuances in the movie and they're all over the place. Uh, first of all, I mentioned that uh, this is written and directed by Michael Lehman, who gave us Heather's. So you know, you know, this is like set full, full of satire and just like shitty kids, and you know. But this, this just nails on the nose because they they come to the country mild after you know the people in the book, you know, watch Jane cook, watch you know, watch Dick, uh, you know, watch TV or you know that that book, you know, and they model themselves after that. So the whole idea. Of all this, like, the girl getting pregnant and, and, and the date rape and the son turning to drugs. It almost reminds you of, like, one of those old 50s, like, you know, you know, propaganda films. Johnny's your normal your normal average, uh, average teenage boy. He fell in with a bad crowd and now he's hooked on marijuana. You know, it's just shit like that. <laughs> it, like, plays out perfectly. And, you know, the fact that you know, the, the only, it's the only thing that calms a man and makes those those antenna come flying out. And my favorite scenes of the film, and it's very silly. It, 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 if you don't, if you can't find this funny, I'm sorry, but never ever quite a scene where you you blew the pot the pot smoke at the dog's face. <laughs> well, think of Spot's bug too. It spots Spot turns into a giant fly and flies out the window, and you know <laughs> that makes you laugh every time. 
and um, uh, Ed Bakley Jr. One of my favorite scenes of the entire film is when, of course, Jane won't give him any, so she's downstairs doing some more shopping or whatnot. So he finds the Scientific America in the drawer. <laughs> and you know he's going to go jerk off because he's just staring at the bugs of the thing doing it. <laughs> and, he, <laughs> and he goes into the bathroom and closes the door. So you know what he's going to do. However bugs would jerk off, I don't know. But he's going to do so to himself sexually. And, you know, these people... My favorite part about this film is it's it's very silly. It's very comical. You know, but they've committed to these roles. The part where um, they get all their stuff taken away by the bank because Jane spent too much on the credit cards and to repossess everything. <laughs> the part where the door opens and the the, the people uh, the people from the magazine come in, Dick jumps on the wall, you know, like 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 the bug he is, you know, the <laughs> the fact that he he committed to that, you know, not not many folks would do that, but I think Ed Bailey Jr. is a real trooper at this point, uh, Dabney Coleman. I'll always know him as Mr. Hart uh, from 9 to 5. Or, of, yes. co- of course, uh, boy hero Jack Flack from Cloak and Dagger. Which, if you haven't shown the little guy that yet, you can show him that movie, Iris. I think he'll enjoy, he'll enjoy that quite a bit. You know what? I have not, and I need to. I think he'll like it a lot. Um, yeah, when he jumps on the wall, it's the little shit like that. And, uh, the, of course, <laughs> this is supposed to take place in the, in the, in the 90s, so there's that, that homophobia scare... To where, um, Glenn Shaddix, or you got to be known from, as Otho from, um, <laughs> from, from Beetlejuice and, uh, the dad of the twins, twin boys from, from Heathers, of course. Yeah, I love my dead gay son, you know. Yeah. The, <laughs> the, the gay overtones are here, too, because they're, they're not upset their son's missing. They're upset because Sally said that he was a homo, you know. This was a big thing in their house, the, just the fact that they're... Somebody said their son may or may not be a homo. <laughs> um, oh, there's so much. But Dabby Coleman in a dress. Well, I don't know if I said it on air or not, but not not bad legs in, in the in the in those stockings. <laughs> uh, the, damn, um, Dabney Coleman. The part where he's, they're, they're trying to hitch a ride to to, to the states. <laughs> he's got the fucking mustache <laughs> in the hat. <laughs> Are you guys going to Rio? <laughs> you know. <laughs> of course he's gonna keep going, you know. Oh, I'm sorry. You gonna say something, Suzanne? Oh no, I just uh, I'll, I'll finish. I would just I just doubt Nick Coleman. Another one of my favorite roles was when he was in Modern Problems with Chevy Chase. I've never seen. Oh yes, that's like my first first or second association with him. That nine to five, but like I said, the man just makes me laugh. I think, I, what what TV show was he on? Was he, was he Drexler's Class? Buffalo Bill. Was it Drexler's Class? Was that his? I, I think I watched that quite No, a he was in a show called Buffalo Bill in the early 80s. See, I wouldn't have been watching that, though. Oh, yeah. And I don't think it lasted very long. Yeah. Yeah, this one, though. The, you know, the, the satire's there, like I said. If you haven't seen it before... It's pretty great. The, the, the whole, again, we all heard the idea, you know, if a nuclear bomb dropped, you know, what would survive? The bugs and share. Well, they kind of played that up really good in this movie, that they're going to go invade these nuclear plants and, and blow them up uh, pr- pretty good, you know. And But the one of the great, you know, you kind of got into the, the movie, and 
one of the things that happens is they assimilate to their uh, American lives. M- Mom can't stop shopping, of course, because she finds out what credit cards are, so she goes crazy with that. Dad's, uh, of course, a repressed husband at home, uh, so he has sex with his secretary because the wife won't give it up. Uh, Sally becomes pregnant by the the bohunk across the street, and <laughs> but no nobody dies in this movie though. And because uh, there's 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 parts where they they capture people who find out about them and they put them in like these these cocoon things, but you think they're dead, but they all they are they're they're not dead, and that's a uh, that's kind of a nice thing to, to to say, you know? Okay, we. We can't be mean to our captor. We just put them in this 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 goo and and leave them sit. And maybe they but they won't remember. But they all fucking remember, of course. And uh oh, there, there's a lot to lot lot to talk about. And I I think if you haven't seen Meet the Applegates, you should check it out. But I think unfortunately, um, I think they only ever had a VHS release. I don't think it ever had a DVD. But uh, most most of us seen it on cable. So if you look on that that dark internet like I did you could find a, a decent copy of it to watch. And I recommend you do, because I think it's pretty great. Uh, Suzanne, uh, any final things you want to say, and would you give it 1 to 10? Oh, once again, I just, I love the cast. They really do make what could have been a bad movie just fun as hell. So, yeah, this one, um, I'm, I'm at an 8. I, I love it. It's still fun. I plan on watching it more. Cool. Iris. Um, I'm going to give this also an eight. I had uh, a good time watching it, and it was nice to rewatch again. Cool. Oh, one thing I forgot to mention was uh, that Kevin Yeager did the effects in this movie, and some of them look really good. I mean, you you, you can't really put bugs on the screen like giant bugs on the screen and make them look good, but they, these look pretty good. And um, uh, the part I loved especially was the part where those those people that came in from the magazine came into their house, and of course. They they kill Sally's baby, terribly. <laughs> the the transfer the transformation that they did in that scene looked really good. That Kevin Yeager makeup in that scene, but their their heads started to bust apart and stuff. And you know they they showed everything pretty much until, of course, they popped up and they were like the mantises. And uh, yeah, the Kevin Yeager stuff's pretty great. And if I ever had a chance, I'd love to talk to him about uh this movie because I don't think uh, it gets too much love as far as like a release goes though. I, I would love to see this picked up by somebody and put out on like, a good Blu-ray. And I buy that and I buy that shit. So there you go. Yeah, maybe maybe Shout Factory needs to look into this instead of the crap that they've been putting out lately. They've been doing better with the announcements. I, w- I will admit that. Um... But yeah, I mean, give me a rating. I think you're rating a, a eight out of ten. I think it's pretty great. So that's uh, about it for this one, and uh, we'll be back to close out the show. Hello, have you ever heard of MSK three thousand? Yeah, well, we ain't them, but we are movie fans who like to drink and talk shit about our favorite movies. So join me, your host Nudie, along with my co-host Jake the Snake, and special guest stars as we dissect our favorite or maybe not so favorite movies on the NFW Podcast, otherwise known as No Fucking Way. You can catch us on Heartophilia and also at NFW underscore podcast on Twitter or NFWpodcast at yahoo.com. Whoa. 
one dark and stormy night in the mid-80s, Joe Bob Briggs, Harlan Ellison, and the ghost of El Santo pulled a train on Elvira while Siskel and Ebert sobbingly masturbated in the corner. From that union arose the greatest movie critic and luchador that ever lived. But we're not going to talk about him. He's kind of a dick. Instead, we're going to talk about me, El Goro, the stuttering movie fan and host of the Talk Without Rhythm podcast. Every week on Talk Without Rhythm, I discuss two to three movies tangentially tied together by a theme. I cover action. And the most complete fighter in the world. Sci-fi. Open the pod bay doors, Hal. I'm sorry, Dave. I'm afraid I can't do that. Horror. Oh, no tears, please. It's a waste of good suffering. And the continuing adventures of James Spader, sexual deviant. You're not worried that I'm going to fuck you, are you? I'm not interested in that, and I'm waste. Now pull up your skirt. So check me out at TWORpodcast.blogspot.com, drunkenzombie.com, or subscribe on iTunes. Talk Without Rhythm, the only podcast that will not attract the world. Adios. Hi, right, folks. Now is the unfortunate time where we talk about dead people and a segment known as the, Ch- the Butcher's Block. I said the Chopping Block again, see? <laughs> But uh, one, uh, as a fan of the the, the wrestling, uh, uh, one of the people that I always respected was the big man who could do impossible things for a big man, and uh, one of which was Bam Bam Bigelow, because that man could do a standing backflip, and there's like no way a fat man should be able to do that. But um, another one would, would be uh, Mr. Leon White, uh, also known as uh, Vader, or Big Van Vader, whatever era you were in at the time. He died at 63. I know uh, for for a fact he um, was having heart problems like all all last year and all this year. So it was only really a matter of time of him not being with us anymore. But he was one of those real showmen who who could really you know do stuff that a big man couldn't do, like big running leaps into the turnbuckle and um, shit. Uh, moonsault off the top ropes. Uh, a 300-pound-plus man should not be able to do that, but he did it, and it was phenomenal to watch. It wasn't the prettiest thing you'll ever see, like like when... And I'm sure Iris has watched a lot of Lucha Libre in, in her time, and seen, Ooh, yeah. the, seen those way that those guys flip around like fucking crazy. It wasn't the prettiest moonsault you'd ever see, but the fact that an over 300-pound man can do that made a fat kid like myself really look up to that guy that he could do stuff that a normal fat guy could probably do. And um, here's a little little uh, quote, a little little uh, statement from the WWE. Uh, here we go. While be, while be, um, began his career, his sports entertainment career in the mid '80s, after retiring from the NFL due to injury, that happens a lot, guys. Uh, he rose to national prominence in Vern Gagne's American Wrestling Association for joining New Japan Pro Wrestling as the mass Big Van Vader. Uh, he went on to become one of the promotion's biggest stars and feared competitors. Vader then went to WCW, where he would make the biggest mark in his career, engage in memorable rivalries with the likes of Sting and Ron Simmons, becoming a dominant three-time WCW World Champion in the process. Then you get to his WWE years, which which are, are okay. You know, he he had some great matches there with Shawn Michaels, and Undertaker, and stuff. But um, <laughs> one of my most positive things is the fact that he was able to laugh at himself. I, I brought this up uh, off off uh, the recording that um, 
the Boy Meets World cast is coming to Wizard Chicago, and he played the father of the of the the bully that becomes their friend on the show. Uh, Frankie the Enforcer's father was played by Vader on the show, and he made a couple of appearances, and he was able to laugh at himself on that show, and it was kind of wonderful. So, uh, I'm grateful for this for any for any big guy that, that that could do stuff like he did, and um. I mean, even watching the Andre documentary, the fact that Andre lasted as long as he did, it just, uh, it's, it was miraculous. And, um, he was in it for a long time. Do you, uh, have any memories, anybody? I, I know Suzanne's not the hugest wrestling person, maybe, I don't know about Iris, though. Are you, are you Iris, for you, a uh, fan of him? Um, you know, I had heard about him a lot, because, uh, a lot of the guys that I used to hang out with were huge wrestling fans. So I had heard of him once in a while, but you know, like you said, the the wrestling I grew up with was, was mostly Lucha Libre with you know Santo and Blue Demon and stuff like that. Oh yeah. So I can appreciate the the skills that I'm sure he had, and it's you know, for me, I think most of all, it's kind of sad that now we are at an age where. All the heroes that we had as kids, the people that we looked up to or we were impressed by, are starting to go by the wayside and passing, you know, they're crossing over. And it, I don't know, it just, it's kind of sad because it kind of brings back the whole thing of, you know, we're all very mortal. But, you know, hopefully he led a very full life and um, had a happy life. And when he passed on, he, you know, he was surrounded by family. Mm-hmm. Well, his son's the one that made the statements, and they're obviously pretty close. You know. What about you, Sue? You don't need about about the the big Vader. Uh, he was he was a little after my time, but I do remember him very clearly from Boy Meets World. Yeah. <laughs> and he, you said he was an NFL player beforehand. I'm not sure who he played for, but I, I know okay. a couple of them. Uh, Brian Pillman, who's no longer with us as well, he died of lymphoma cancer a long time ago. Um, he was a Cincinnati Bengal. He was he was a, the smallest nose tackle you ever want to see. But I heard he was really something on the field. But um, he's the one that got injured flying Brian Pillman and came to wrestling. And he wore <laughs> he wore the Bengal tights when he wrestled for a long time. I remember I, I remember him. Mm-hmm. I remember the tights. But yeah, I, I watched wrestling a lot. And like I said, I think he was just a little bit after my time. Mm-hmm. But I mean, a lot of a lot of my friends are wrestling fans, you know, Gary included. And you know, I think even I forget that you know it's it's it may just it's not just entertainment. These men get hurt, mm. and just seeing a lot of the posts today about his death, you know, we all need our heroes. And just seeing how many of my friends, you know, had, had posted such warm words about him. So, yeah, it's just it's really sad to see our heroes die. Not fair. Yeah, not, not fair at all. I don't have really anybody else to mention for the segment, so I'll uh, kick a diarist. I think she'd like to pimp out right now. She didn't coming up or, you know... Yeah, so we have um, Beth Theme Warriors are going to be uh, 
putting together something here on the 30th, and I don't know if I mentioned it last time that I recorded with you guys, but it is um, basically siblings, true, you know, life siblings that have been in movies together. So there's going to be quite a few fun ones. So I mean, a very, you know, I mean, mine is Ducks or uh, Night at the Opera. So, you know, it's it's going to be very diverse, so we'll we'll have fun with it. Cool. Uh, Suzanne? Uh, NFW, I think we're at this point where we're taking a break from the Demon series with a bunch of movies that are not in the Demon series. Mm-hmm. And I do believe we just released Eyes of a Stranger, which awesome little slasher movie that, once again, kind of flew under the radar. And you can find that, the NFW podcast, on Horrorphilia. Uh, that you can. Uh, this show and the two Drink Venom commentaries you can hear on the Legion Podcast Network, legionpodcast.com. Um, uh, Twitter at GW, Twitter at Cast. We try to post the shows there as they come out on Twitter as well. I'm not so good with the Instagram thing, but you know... Here we are, you know, I'm kind of like an old an old man when it comes to that, in, in that sense. <laughs> um, next up, I couldn't tell you what it is. I'm, try, I'm trying to trying to schedule. That's the hardest thing about podcasting people is the scheduling of people and getting them all together to do stuff. But uh, <laughs> the next one um, that would come out should be and possibly be the Idol Worship episode to where we do the last... Uh, Last horror movie, the Joe Spinell, Carolyn Monroe vehicle, and uh, the King Comedy, which is the Robert De Niro and Jerry Lewis vehicle. So we'll see how that goes and how that pans out. We have uh, potential guests for that one, so keep your eyes open, and I'll uh, keep your ears open as well, and I will as well. Uh, that's a bit for this one. But always remember, uh, here at Cindy Podcast, if you got if you got beef, we've got the grinder. See you next time. The local rock group down the street is trying hard to learn their song. Serenade the weekend squire just came out to mow his lawn. Another pleasant valley sun. She's proud today because the roses are in bloom. Mr. Green, he's so serene, he's got a TV in every room. Another Pleasant Valley Sunday. Here instead of symbol land. Mothers complain about how hard life is. Kids just don't understand. Creature of comfort goes. They only know my soul. I make it hard for me to see. My thoughts all seem to stray. 
two places far away. I need a change of scenery. 